welcome, welcome to this fourth episode of season five of the Purple Rains podcast. I'm your host, T.T. James. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome. So the title of this one is going to be Love Armor. We're going to be talking about love, um, mostly the heart. As you know, as you can see already, we've been talking about the chakra and we've been going up the spine. And so we've made our way up to the heart chakra or to the heart. And so it's a fitting time to talk about uh, love, love energy, and how love can be a protective force in your life. So how to get and maintain that love, true love. Okay. And so usually I would start this out with a, a couple news stories, you know, that tie into what I'm, uh, what I want to talk about. But there have been so many that ties into this particular topic that I'm not just going to point at one. So it's mostly just about, as you've heard, all of the heart attacks that we've been hearing about, heart attacks, myocarditis, things like that, um, people dying of strokes, stroke and heart attack related. Um, and when we talk about the heart, we have to talk about the blood because that's the purpose of the heart is to pump um, uh, to send oxygen and uh, these defense mechanisms throughout the blood. And so you can't talk about the heart without talking about the blood. And so I'm going to be mostly talking about the blood here, but the idea of it is the heart. So in the last, um, episode, I was talking about the central nervous system and it, how it connects to the heart. So your, uh, sensory receivers or receptors your um, sense of touch taste smell hearing and uh oh gosh i did it again i did it again i forgot one i'm gonna write it down touch taste smell hearing sight. and sight oh my gosh i can't believe i do that unreal and then your extrasensory uh, perception. So everything that you perceive, you will receive that. Um, your central nervous system will receive that and your central nervous system will tell your heart uh, what it needs and it will send a signal to the heart and the heart will produce that, all right? Um, or it will even send out some chemicals that it's going to send to your heart so that your heart can send those out and those chemicals are neurotransmitters or hormones. So without getting too complicated with all of this, let me go to the book because the book is very basic and I just like to give you a basic idea of what these people, you know, say that this, uh, the cardiovascular system is doing. And then the next one we'll talk about. Anyway, so the vital system consists of the heart, the blood vessels, and the blood that carries oxygen and defensive cells throughout the body while removing toxins and waste. So that's just the basic rundown of what the heart is supposed to do. But uh, in this case, we're talking about it in more of a metaphysiological or beyond the physiological. All right. So the uh, central nervous system is supposed to be your receptor, your receiver. And the cardiovascular uh, system is supposed to be the processor or the transporter. Okay. And the... Uh, is the processor transporter and then the central nervous system is the receiver transporter. So central nervous system gives the message to the heart and the heart sends out 
all of those chemicals to the rest of the body. Now, the, the heart is supposed to be pumping what this energy known as love, okay? And love, as I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, is a chemical uh, combination. So it is a chemical reaction. Um, when we feel love, it is physiological. And so you can, you are able to, or anyone who wants to, is able to manipulate people's emotions by using chemicals to do that because love is a chemical now love can be intoxicating or it can be invigorating and so i would want to talk a little bit more about that in this one so let's get to the chakras because why is uh the heart chakra uh connected to or why is the heart chakra green or related to the color green because this heart when you think about heart and blood you mostly think about red so let's deal with that first so when we're talking about um blood it blood is light like i said everything is vibration and then sound and then light and then matter and so when we see blood we're seeing the red light of blood because of the way that we see the light spectrum and so when this blood is reflected the color of blood is reflected we see it as red but um, and that has a lot to do um, with the fact that um, our blood is oxygen uh, based. Now, there are copper based. There is copper based blood that is green. If there's copper in the blood, it becomes green. For example, like I can't wear uh, fake jewelry. Every time I wear fake jewelry, it will taint my skin. It will turn green right away. So I can't even put it in for like a day just to go to an event or whatever i can't wear cosmetic jewelry because i'm highly allergic to it and so well not highly but it just it'll start affecting me right away i can feel fake jewelry and so uh and my hand will turn green sometimes if you have a ring on and you accidentally take a shower with your fake metal ring you'll find that your hand will turn green um coppers will do this especially nickel might do it too and so that's because these things are uh, copper-based, metal-based jewelry will cause the blood to turn, or your skin anyway, to turn green. So green represents both vitality and toxicity. So uh, just a quick um, side note with that one, a good way to deal with that and to purify the blood really is, uh, or to get rid of the green is to purify the blood or to eat something with more iron in it and it'll help to flush that out so it's not I don't think it's um toxic in the sense of it will kill you but if you find that your jewelry is causing your skin to turn green it's just a good idea to get some more iron into your blood uh to purify it to flush that out like I said all right so now when um right I was talking about vitality and toxicity um for example when I talk about vitality or green representing vitality you think of things like the trees and grass vegetation and so on and when we talk about um toxicity you think mostly of um maybe mold or um uh radiation for example radiation is always um, associated with the color green uh, when we think of bad smells it's often a green color that is used in the cartoons you'll see they use green for that so your blood can um, 
your blood can either be toxic or it can um it's supposed to be a vital source but it can be toxic okay so i'm the reason why i keep hesitating in this one is because a lot of what i talk about when it comes to blood is stuff that i mention at my sacred blood and i don't want to give away things that you know people who seek to find it deserve to get so i'm not going to give it away for free on this one so you'll have to excuse the pauses here and there i'll try my best to maybe hit pause on the record button so that i'm not you know um and arming throughout this whole thing but i want to talk a little bit about the snake because it's important to mention it here because of what the snake does um with its toxins and its vital blood source so the snake uh, why the snake is tied to life and vitality and why it's become a symbol of life and it's used in medical symbols and things like that is because of the the superior nature of its blood it can be both green and red Um, well not necessarily the snake but reptiles certain reptiles will have a dark green blood but snakes I mean when I talk about green blood I mean that it has like the venom it appears to be white, but I'm talking about green as in toxin, what green represents, okay? So a snake will have the both the toxin in its blood and it will have the antidote within the blood or the toxins made by the blood. Everything that you make, all of these things that um, in medieval medicine they used to refer to as humors, things like phlegm and bile and um, what they refer to as black bile. If you have pus right now that's um, made of blood, saliva, tears, all of that, uh, any fluids, any bodily fluids, when we exchange bodily fluids, when we kiss, when we cry, uh, when you vomit, piss, all of that is made from the blood and then the blood will uh, filter it and it comes out as one of those things so it's all blood all of it is blood and so when it comes to the snake the snake has both the toxin and the antidote inside of its blood and so that's why snakes became fascinating and why it became tied to life and medicine and so on so on it was known uh, that whenever you get a snake bite how they would know that there was this, I don't know if it's a myth or a legend or lore or whatever about the Knights Templars, how they used to travel on their horse um, back and forth from Jerusalem to somewhere in Europe. Um, and then they transporting money for the, from the Catholic Church to, to Jerusalem. So on their journey, they, they would travel on the horse and this as the story goes one of the horses got bitten by a snake and so what they would do is they would take the blood of the snake mix the toxin mix the venom and the blood and give it to the snake as a form of um, like a type of inoculation or vaccine okay so this way if the horses were ever bitten by snakes again then the horses wouldn't succumb to that and one of the ways that they would know that they were poisoned by the snake or that a snake was poisonous uh, is because their skin would turn green upon being bitten and you'll see this a lot a lot of the times uh when 
well, I, okay, I won't mention it here, but you'll, you'll notice if you, if you ever work with blood or, you know what, I'm just going to say it because we're, we're all grown here. So if you've ever, uh, used a reusable pad, for example, you'll notice that when the blood starts to oxidize, it will turn green around the edges before it turns dark. Okay. So when blood is exposed to oxygen, it will turn green. Anyway, I, I don't, I can't think of another, maybe in an apple, you'll find that happens a lot. A lot of the times when potatoes start to rot, that will happen too. It will turn green before it rots. So there are many examples of this. this is, I don't know why that's the first one. Well, I know why that's the first thing that came to mind, but all right. So that's the why blood is associated with green. I wanted to say here, usually I stick to my notes, but I'm kind of going off script here for a second because I wanted to mention when it comes to uh, politics, especially, especially different parliaments around the world. If you've ever seen anyone who has like a national uh, assembly, a type of a parliament in Africa, they have red parliament. The seats are often red. Um, also in the Slavic nations, like parts of Russia, and um, anyway, I'm I'm not gonna name them all, but they'll be red when you when you're dealing with the House, the Parliament. In Canada and in European nations, the chairs are green. Now they all of them are green. The carpets are green. The chairs are green. Everything's green. And then in these nations, like African nations, Slavic nations, they are red. And that has to do, they never say why, they never give an explanation, even when you take the tour, they pretend like they don't know, but it has a lot to do with this red-green blood, that one has the antidote, one is known as having the antidote, and the other is known as being the toxin, and they both have to, they acknowledge that in the way they color their parliament. All right, there's more, probably more to it than that, but again, these are secrets that even I don't know, so those are just the basics now like i said blood is green when it oxidizes and it becomes or, or it it's green because it represents being toxic here i want to talk about toxicity all right because that's what this whole podcast is about it's about knowing when love is toxic and knowing when it's pure and could be used as an armor and with love, men and women work differently. The physiological male sex and the physiological female sex operate differently. Our bodies are structured differently, clearly. And yes, there right now is a push to combine the two and pretend as if we don't have two very distinct systems but they are they do operate differently for example right now when women are under stress or when women are anxious our hearts will beat faster to get blood faster um, to rush blood through the bloodstream and give the body what it needs faster when a man is stressed, it will do the same thing. It will want to push the blood into the blood, push the blood from the heart into the bloodstream so that all of the organs get what they need. But in the case of men, they will pump harder to get the blood out. So whereas women's heart rate will speed up, men's heart rate will 
um, they will have higher blood pressure because they're pumping harder to get the blood out. And this is why a lot of the times when you're hearing about these myocarditis or these blood problems related to men, you'll hear about uh, them having more strokes, cardiac arrest, such and such, because the males are pumping harder with the females because they're pumping faster. They're more tied to the blood clots. So they are reacting differently because they're different. Even when it comes to like, I'm not a witch. I don't practice witchcraft or anything, but just the idea behind what's known as witchcraft came from natural healing practices. And that's what I do practice. And so it's well known in natural uh, healing practices and in witchcraft and the healing arts and so on, natural medicine, that you must uh, make your medicine according to your patient. So no medicine fits all people. Everyone must be treated according to who they are and must be looked at as whole. But because the system is everything is mass produced or mass controlled or you you have to deal with it like pumping patients out and it's all based on economics and money they don't treat patients that way and so that's why they can just make a dose that's supposed to be a one-size-fits-all and medicine is not well real medicine is not supposed to work that way you're supposed to make the medicine according to the individual and so when we talk about toxins and how men respond and how women respond that we do respond differently and we need to treat um, each individual differently. So some of what I'm going to offer in this one, and this is going to be a short one because I want it to be short and sweet and to the point, but a lot of what I'm going to offer is going to be um, more geared to women, but I'm also going to give a male perspective on it. Okay. But of course I don't have all the male perspective because I am a female. And so I'm going to stay in my lane on this one, but, um, it, it's pretty much general. So, you know, take it as it relates to you. Like I said, it's nothing is ever a one size fits all, or it shouldn't be. Excuse me there. All right. So when, Right, I wanted to mention why there was a few years back when I first got on the internet anyway, this is around the early or late 2000s and early 2010s when I got on the internet. There were rumors going around claiming that women, black women had higher rates of HIV. Now, this is what I was talking about in um, the previous podcast or wasn't a previous one but it was the one about the sacred the sacral sacral chakra and what I mentioned there was I mentioned anal sex and I left something out but I will get to it here because the reason why I mentioned anal sex is tied to HIV is because you are interfering with the hormonal balance and when it comes to women the reason why women tend to have higher rates of HIV is because of that hormonal balance. Um, Human um, immunodeficiency virus 
it just means that you're having issues with your immune system and your immune system obviously is tied to your blood circulation and so you're supposed to be sending certain things out into the blood to purify the blood oxygenate the blood or to defend anything that might come into the blood and so depending on how you how you handle stress depending on the types of sex you have it will affect the blood it's not necessarily a virus or a bacteria that's causing that we call things a virus but the virus is a chemical reaction there's i i don't believe there's a thing called a virus like it's something anyway that's that's something else because there are a lot of people who believe that virology is quackery and it's not real and i i'm kind of on that side of the fence where i believe that viruses are responses chemical responses to what we put into our bodies how your body will uh, recognize something and how it will either fight against it or try to adapt to it okay so in the case of hiv that could have been complete propaganda and they just made that up to target black women or it could have been that black women were having um, a reaction to stress and a reaction to sex now let me clarify what i mentioned about anal sex what i left out is what we're seeing with this um, homosexual agenda trans agenda and why the trans people and uh, sexual orientation is being so highly protected now keep in mind like i like to deal with the basics the roots of all things and when we talk about protecting someone's sex you have to think about that you are protecting somebody based on how they have sex so because someone has anal sex they become a protected class think about that for a minute okay because someone decides that they want to make love to vaginas and only vaginas they become a protected class now if i said i'm a hoe and i like to have sex with married men only would i become a part of a protected class can mistresses be part of a protected class if you are to protect someone based on their sexual orientation then that would fall into that we would be able to protect someone based on their hoe traits or their the fact that they're a mistress or if a man is a gigolo or whatever then they should be a protected class because it's sexual orientation how you orient which direction you go when it comes to having sex nobody would know that you have sex a certain way if you didn't say it i don't need to know how a homosexual has sex there's no need to ever know that so the idea of protecting the group has nothing to do necessarily with how they have sex but with how sex is perceived or how the body reacts to that and because before these things were considered a mental illness that's technically why it's a protected class like i said before it's a protected class because these groups require medication and it's the medical industry the pharmaceutical medical industry that is being protected it's not necessarily the group and so that's why they added this extra 
legal protection on these groups so that you don't talk about not that you don't talk about the groups or the gays or the trans or whoever is it's so that you don't talk about the pharmaceutical company who control these people to convince them that they are this that and the other let me take a quick break right here and then when i come back let's talk about love as a chemical response to stimuli and of course how you can use love as an armor I will be right back.
All right, all right, I'm back. So, love as a chemical response to stimuli. Like I said, love is a chemical reaction. It's a chemical bond. Something happens when, for example, you see someone, love at first sight. This is a stimuli. So you, excuse me, you see someone, your central nervous system will have an electrical response to that. And that is what it means to have love at first sight because immediately you have this response that sends the message to your bloodstream. You start getting all hot for this person and you believe that you are in love because you had a chemical reaction in that moment. So love at first sight is very, very real. If it continues to last, love is a sustaining chemical bond, okay? If it doesn't last, then that's what's known as lust. Now, what I didn't mention before is that your heart is not meant to um, be forced to constantly defend itself, okay? It's not meant to constantly have to filter all of these chemicals that come into it and constantly have to defend itself from outside stimuli, all right? So when that happens, that's when you'll have an arrest. That's when it will stop. It won't be able to continue doing that or it will form disease in the body, okay? So this is why when I talk about everything in moderation, everything must be in moderation. I know people like to say, oh, love is love and we can't help who we fall in love with. Well, you better learn how to control yourself and learn how to fall in love with the person who's going to provide some degree of balance or maintain some degree of balance and harmony in your life. Because if your body's constantly forced, you know, to either overproduce a certain hormone, then you're going to have problems. Your blood will become toxic. If your body is forced uh, to constantly filter certain hormones, then it'll have the same effect, okay? Your body's not meant to have this stimuli overload or hormone overload. So when uh, it comes to using, well, if it overloads blood um, that's overloaded with hormones, this is not love. This now becomes toxic. So if you are in a relationship where you're constantly, every time you see this person, your heart is racing, so on, so on. Well, that's the initial reaction that's supposed to kind of wear off and then balance itself out. Because this person, when you love someone, it's now an exchange of energy and that person's supposed to give you back whatever you don't have or, or give you back whatever you're putting out. So if you're giving them a love energy, then they should give it to you and the two of you should feel comfortable together at some point. I get it, love at first sight, or you're always, you know, get flutters over this person or whatever. That should eventually wear off. But if every time you think about this person, it's constant, you know, sex fantasy and lust and the overproduction of certain hormones, then it's going to become toxic in the blood. And that's why people become obsessive um, and possessed and possessive over their partners is because they're overproducing certain hormones like dopamine hormones, for example, 
um, you think that you're in love with this person, but it's a chemical reaction. Love has become a drug for you. And so uh, love overload is not a good thing. It is a toxin. When, uh, when love, when the hormones are balanced, like I said, when there's a good input output and you're getting back what you're giving and now you and your partner are comfortable together, then that creates a harmony and that is love and it becomes a protective armor. In this case now, your blood is pumping out exactly what it needs to protect the cells in your body. It's pumping out exactly the amount of oxygen you need at the rate your body needs it. You're breathing better. Sometimes you breathe in uh, harmony with your partner. Uh, when you sleep at night, it's just a natural need to breathe at the same rate. It almost feels uncomfortable when you're not. And so that happens naturally. And so that harmony is love. All right. When you're out of, when your heart's doing all kinds of flutter or whatever, like you, that's, that's stress. That would be considered stress and stress is not good for the body. Your body doesn't know that you're going all crazy and haywire because you're in love. Your body just thinks that that you're excited about something and these hormones are there they can only read the hormones and the vibration they can't uh, your body doesn't understand the reasons or it, it does but not necessarily but that is for the the, the uh, pineal chakra so we'll get there when we get there so love is, is supposed to be an understanding of what we talked about in the last podcast of that manipura, okay, of how to manipulate the heart. So when you are in love, you know how to increase and decrease your heart rate as necessary. For example, if your heart starts to um, race because you feel a certain way about a person, then you should easily be able to master that, to manipulate that, and to calm yourself down. So that is self-love when you're able to master yourself, master your understanding of your chakra system or your body systems and to be able to control them as necessary. So if your heart's um, beating too fast, then you know how to breathe to slow it down. If your heart is, or you feel like you're getting depressed, then you know how to do things to pick up your heart rate um, to get the blood flowing. So once you are able to understand completely the full body system, that's when you can say you truly love yourself. You can't love yourself in the metaphysical sense or in the spiritual sense. You know, people are, I, you know, self-love and we talk about it in the abstract, but you cannot love yourself without understanding physiology of how your body systems work and how to master them and to control them. Like I said, power is chaos management. And if you can uh, control the chaos of the body, then you can say that you have power and you have mastered yourself enough to be able to love yourself. So at this time, it's important to uh, use that love armor that you've created now, this harmony and balance in your life, in your body, in your mind, your spirit, and to radiate that, you know, to send that out to your children, to your plants, and to your animals, and 
when I talk about, uh, to, when I talk about plants and animals, this, this includes your food, okay? Uh, people forget often that plants are living things too. And so we talk about these animals. A lot of vegans like to s claim that, you know, animals are living things and we shouldn't be eating the animals because they're alive. Well, plants are alive. Plants have blood. They breathe. They, they are just as alive as um, an animal was once alive. And then as soon as we cut them from the tree or we pluck them from their roots then they begin to die and so when that is happening when we it, not kill I don't want to say kill but when we when we take that life in order to sustain our life then we have to give thanks to that and gratitude to that and love on that and appreciate it so a love is gratitude okay so you should be sending that out at this time sending out that type of love and on that note I want to talk about um, our children because there's an attack on the children and this aim to separate this uh, previous or my generation anyway separate the generations I like to have family time with my children I like to talk with my son about anything I know in the last uh, podcast we were talking about nfts and um, might have mentioned like drugs and other topics that might seem inappropriate quote unquote for someone his age but children this young or children of this generation especially of generation z they're ready for it okay there's already already an attack on their spirit and so they're already being exposed to these things and so it doesn't make any sense that we try to hide and pretend that we're all chaste and um, righteous and we can't have these conversations with our kids because they're under attack these things are in their schools it's on their tv it's in their video games it's everywhere they go so they're under spiritual attack and the idea is to get them to separate from this generation every generation you'll notice that there's this push to or uh, uh, not a push, but an agenda to separate each generation. Like I said, you know, every 15 to 20 years, they want to say, oh, this is generation X and you're supposed to act this way. And this is generation Y and this is what defines you. And so they will literally create these historical events that defines a generation that separates them from the generation before them. So in this generation, when it comes to uh, Gen X and Gen Z, well, the parents of Gen, the Gen X parents are the parents of Gen Z. And then now the millennials are the parents of what is known as the alpha generation. Stay connected as much as possible to your children. Don't let your children, I know that the alpha generation or Gen Alpha, what they're calling Gen Alpha, they're born with a cell phone in their hand. The, the parents will literally give them a cell phone at zero years old. They have apps for these three-month-old, four-month-old babies, you know, who haven't even developed like basic <laughs> fine or basic gross motor skills enough to turn themselves over yet. But the parents will plant a, a TV in their crib you know they probably already have that tv monitors built into the crib and the baby's just sitting there watching tv okay so love on your children and protect your children and take time to have conversations about whatever at this point you know they're already being um over sexualized in a lot of different 
groups they're being over sexualized in their own way but the idea is to uh, and, and to that note like even now there they have a doctrine of maturity or some law that says that the children who are 14 and over where I am anyway don't have to ask their parents um, it, or the parents don't have to be there for medical appointments um, the parents don't have to be notified about the child making different medical choices and so on and so on and so they're cutting the parents out um, even legally they're trying to separate one generation from the other so it's important not to lose the youth it is so important to love on your your children at this time when you um, when it comes to animals you know, a lot of people decided that, oh, I want to get a pet during the pandemic because they're alone, lonely and whatever. Well, just keep in mind that these animals are bred to be enslaved by you. So it's important to love on them, too. And I know that there are laws, obviously, that says you have to have your dog on a leash. But as much as possible, try to get out there and train your dogs in a way where they can walk around and they will listen to you and you, they love you and trust you enough that if you do call on them that they'll come back to you and that they won't bite people okay i i see people have the dogs and they the dogs are ruling them and the dogs are wild and they have to drag them and muzzle them and th if i see a muzzle on a dog i know there's something wrong with the owner okay so those people are not loving on the animal they're just getting the animal to I don't even know what they, they're doing to that poor animal, okay? So just be mindful of that. If you decide to get a pet, just take it out to get some freedom every once in a while. Learn how to train it and treat it with love so that it trusts you enough not to go around biting other people or not to run away from you, so on. Take it to the um, park where it can run around without a leash. And to the same um, principle, you know, if you decide there's this trend going around again in the pandemic where people feel like they need to fill their whole entire house with a jungle of plants and then they forget that these plants are living things. And I'll see it's a common thing where, oh yeah, I'm not really good with plants. I killed another plant and they have these dead ass plants because they don't know how to take care of them. If your plant starts to die, don't just throw it out and say, you know, I didn't know how to it's a living thing take your time and treat it like a living thing and do your best get on an app if you need to read a book or do something get it some plant foods and fresh soil you know start composting something so you can try to at least revive this plant treat living things with respect that's why nature is fucking everybody up is because everyone's so disrespectful okay this is no accident that we're having all these extreme weather changes whether you think man is doing it or not or something outside of our atmosphere is um pushing these things to happen it doesn't matter what the purpose is we are all nature we are all part of the one and so whether it's you believe that man or humans on earth is causing all these weather changes or whether you believe that it's something extra terrestrial or celestial or outside of the earth causing it whether you believe it's a polar shift or whatever okay we are all nature and if you don't respect one cycle it will come back around to bite you all cycles are connected all cycles are connected and so you need to respect all of it send love to it when you send that love to it it will protect you 100 percent so 
with that said, I'm just going to end off by saying how important or reminding you how important it is to send love out to the all, to what you might refer to as your creator or your God or the source or whatever you want to refer to that thing as we are part of the all. So love on, um, obviously you don't have to love on everyone, but you have to respect the cycles, respect the process, life processes. And when you do that, it will respect and protect you as it was meant to do the same way. If you respect your blood and you put in it what you need to put in it at the moment that you need it, like you're not overfilling your body with a bunch of sugars and forcing your body to have to process it. You're not over exercising so that exercising so that your heart is constantly having to pump um, blood or to stress itself out. All right. As long as you're not doing things into excess, your body's going to respect you and it will protect you. You know, if you're not intoxicating it, whether you're intoxicating it with love, drugs, exercise, whatever, you know, if you're not intoxicating your blood, your blood will protect you. And so the same thing goes for uh, the world or the all if you're not intoxicating it and you're not throwing your trash around and disrespecting the earth, then the earth will show you respect. All right, that is it for this one. Until the next one, take care of yourselves.